Hey everyone, Ben here with a quick interruption before we get into today's episode to let you know that we have been nominated for a Sports Podcast Award. Yippee! That is very, very exciting. We are actually incredibly honoured and excited to have that nominee. And you, the listener, yes, the very person that is listening to this right now can help us win a Sports Podcast Award and get us on the podium for once rather than always being off the podium. To do so, head to sportspodcastawards.com. Dot com register to vote click on the best olympic and paralympic podcast category where you can then vote for us to win now you will have to listen to the other nominees as well but let's be honest you know you're going to vote for us because you're listening to our show today which means we know you like us and we'd very much appreciate the vote in advance sportspodcastawards.com that's how you do it and we thank you in advance and everybody who votes for us we promise to thank you in our acceptance speech should we win. Right now, I'm going to shut up, play some music, and then you're going to hear me talk again as we get into today's episode of Off the Podium. Enjoy. They're standing and they're applauding that dramatic performance by James Orville and Christopher Dean. Alex Philadelphia. It takes a lot to make him happy and he is clearly pleased. She's up, she's moving nicely. She's got to hit it. Yes! Sally Stegel, 132.67, has won at least the medal. She's 0.24 of beauty. On the ice for the Gimlet. The Gimlet scoping! It is off the podium coming to you today for another interview and we are so excited for today's chat because it's a history making interview on the show today our first ever ski jumper which means today we officially tick off the final sport that we have never covered from, from the Winter Olympic Games. That is right. Today, we reach 100% from speaking to an athlete from every single sport that is at the Winter Olympics. So it's a very exciting day, and it's an exciting day to chat with Ali Ludit. Now, Ali is a 17-year-old Canadian ski jumper who is on the cusp of making her Olympic debut in Beijing. She has reached the quota at the time of recording this, we should say, and is essentially going to the Olympics, but a few things need to sort of, I guess, be rubber-stamped beforehand. So by the time you're actually listening to this, we would have an answer whether or not Ali is going there or not. But at least at the time of recording this, she's all but in. So uh, unless some certain things don't go her way, she will be there competing in Beijing in just a few weeks' time. But this is a, a great chat with Ali, learning about the sport, learning how she got into it. And some of the unique aspects of the sport, it's a a lot more of a technical sport that I think people realize it is. If you're listening to us in Australia and you really don't know much about the sport, it's it's not simply about jumping as far as you can. There's a whole lot more to it. So Ali goes into a little bit of detail about sort of how the sport is scored, how the techniques work, the training, everything along those lines. Some very unique discussions here about some of the very weird rules that exist in this sport and why... A athlete's crotch is actually a very important part that is judged in the sport of ski jumping. 
That is a conversation that you will want to hear in this interview. It's fascinating. And Ali also goes into a lot of talk about her future goals and just how far she can go in this sport because it's actually interesting to learn about the sport of ski jumping in Canada in that it is a sport which Canada has never won an Olympic medal in. So there's history that could be made here at some point in the future with Ali. So great chat here. You're going to get a lot from it. Here is our chat with Canadian ski jumper Ali Ludet. I've always liked to think of myself as a bit of a collector. I always like to tick things off lists and collect things along the way. And one thing that we've been trying to do here and off the podium is collect the sports of the Olympics by chatting to athletes from all the different sports of both the Winter and Summer Olympics. Now, as people know, listening and and watching this show, we classify the Winter Olympics as the real Olympics. And there's one sport in the real Olympics that we have not had an athlete on the show from until today. That is the great sport of ski jumping. And today we are finally chatting to somebody from the sport. I am so excited to learn more about the sport, her career, how she got into it, the length of the skis and everything else in between we've been talking about off air. And I'm excited to learn more about this. It's a pleasure to welcome to Off the Podium, Ali Ludit. I said it right. Did I say it right? You said it right. You I did said get it right. right. Yes. Yes, you okay. did. <laughs> Celebrations. Allie, welcome, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I love the show a lot. You actually listen. This is, this is, you might be the I first do. guest I've ever had who's actually listened to the show. And I don't know if that's a Are good or a bad me? thing. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was like, hmm. I was like, I got it. And like, you know, sometimes you get those like DMs. It's like, is this really real? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. Like, you know, if someone wants to interview me, like, I was like, I don't know if this is a scam. If this is someone trying to steal my information, you know? So I was like, okay, well, go and listen to it. And I started listening to it. It's like, wow, this is actually really good. Okay, I should I should do this. This sounds okay. like fun. I'm going to use that as a review. Actually really good. Off the it's podium. actually really good. <laughs> Not a scam. <laughs> yeah, not a scam. Actually Not really good. Actual review <laughs> I, that we can put on that. Can you actually go to our iTunes and leave that review? I'd really appreciate that. Just okay, not I'll a scam. That. Actually really good. <laughs> five <You> know, stars. <laughs> Ali, Canada, uh, five stars. I, I, I love that. But I, I'm seriously so excited to be able to talk to you about this book because you and I were talking a bit off air sort of in regards to Australia. We don't really know a whole lot about this sport Jared, co-host, and I during uh, Pyeongchang were staying up to 2 a.m., weirdly fascinated by this sport. But even in Canada, it's not the the most widely, I guess, known or watched winter sport either, is it? So I, I would love to know, how how do you end up jumping really far for a living, uh, essentially, Ali? How do you get into ski jumping? Well, I ended up joining out of spite. I know that doesn't sound great, but it is my competitive <laughs> nature, and it, I think, has been what was a big driving force, but my brother got to try the wind sport summer camp. So if you're from Calgary, you know, the wind sport summer camp, it is a summer camp. Every kid in town goes to, and it's a multi-sport summer camp where you get to try a bunch of different sports. And if you're any good at it, you get a phone call home. So me and my brother were registered in the same group. I ended up having to drop out because I was really sick. I don't actually remember what was wrong I was like seven or eight at the time it was a while ago and my brother got recruited to do ski jumping and so I was like 
this is not fair. I am going to be the ski jumper. I want to go to the Olympics. And so my mom's like, okay, like if you, if you're sure. And my mom did not think it would last longer than a week because, you know, she saw the giant skis come out of the back cupboard in the training center. And she's like, okay, this is going to be a week max. I can put up with this for a week. And here we are like eight years later and I'm still carrying around those giant skis. Wow. And these are giant skis. These aren't just like put them on the top of your your car and drive down to Banff for the weekend, right? Like these are pretty darn big. Like my skis are 230 centimeters. I don't know what that is in feet. It's over six feet. It's probably close to seven feet for those uh, imperial blisters. (laughs) So so that's basically a sane bolt could run that in like 19 seconds by the time he could even get to the end of your damn skis, essentially. <laughs> That's well, maybe. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Two metres is a lot for skis. Two, oh, two metres. I'm thinking 200. Oh, you said two, I'm thinking 200 metres. Like I'm thinking, okay, that's two, a bit centimeters. big. Centimetres. Centimetres. Jeez. Okay. No, just, yeah, you you mentioning about math off there. Clearly my math are really good, you know, with, with <laughs> oh, yeah. that one. Jesus. Perfect. They would be pretty big skis, 200 metres. Yeah. That, um, yeah. yeah. That's I a mean, different event. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, our hill is closer to that size, but not quite. That's still pretty big skis to have. And yeah. I, I mean, when when you kind of jumping ahead a bit here, when you first try them on and you, and you do that side of things, I mean, had you skied other, you know, Alpine sort of Nordic other events too, and and like what's that differential when all of a sudden you've got two hundred centimeter skis versus regulation size skis? Well, I had skied uh, like Alpine skied my entire life for as long as I can remember. Uh, my dad taught me to downhill ski when I was like one or two. Like I was like I barely walking I was like a toddler and there's a video somewhere I need to find this video because it is hilarious like (laughs) that I am a world cup skier now watching this video well I didn't really turn in this so I just go straight down the hill and my arms are sticking out and I'm like flapping like my arms like I'm a bird and you know what I think that video was really just a prediction of my career in ski jumping you know there's no turns involved you're trying to fly you know, and you have to stop at the bottom. That's about it. That sums up my career. Wow. That's so, a video you know, we need to you, see. That's definitely. Yeah, I will try and find, find this video for you because it is an incredible video. And my dad's like, Ellie, pizza, pizza, pizza. <laughs> and he's like yelling at the top of his lungs trying to get me to like stop. Because like when you're teaching a little kid to ski, you don't like say hockey stop or snowplow. You say like french fries is like your skis are straight. And pizza, your skis are the shape of a pizza, right? And so, like, my dad's like, not hot dog pizza. And he's, like, screaming it. And, like, it's a GoPro video, too. So, it's, like, my dad is, like, trying to catch me down this hill. And, like, he finally catches up to me and, like, picks me up and stops the side. And the video, like, comes really close to my face. And my dad's like, are you okay? Don't ever do that again. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Instead, ski jump. That's safer? Yes. Yeah, so just jump off the tower. It's know? funny you mentioned the whole pizza. Like, it's not just children who learn that. I, I don't know if no, the no. episode you've listened to, you've heard my lovely story about my five seconds on skiing before I gave up promptly. But I remember promptly being told, pizza, French fry, pizza, French fry. I it's, I think I was yeah. barely in the restaurant door before I gave up. So. <laughs> 
it it is like the typical way that you know a absolute beginner is taught to ski it is like lesson one that is what you get taught and i also remember that video is the first time i got to ski on my own so like you know have you ever seen been on a ski hill and seen a little kid on the harness with the leash and the parents holding yep. them with the leash that was yep. me um and then after <laughs> i, I needed off the leash <laughs> after i got taken off the leash uh, i would ski behind my dad and so it's like my dad would go pizza french fry and i'd mimic all his moves and um so he's like okay ali are you ready like we're gonna do this you're gonna go in front and i was like okay <laughs> <laughs> i like start slowly like pizza pizza and then i just go like this and go like i straight my skis out they go straight down the hill wow that's yeah. crazy which i mean i guess growing up in calgary you've got a pretty good facility there that still exists so is that kind of where this love of winter sports came from 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 the family that it was so accessible to you all well i think my love of sports is definitely from my family my mom's side is like total total hockey family my mom was a ski racer um but most of her family played hockey like i had an uncle and my grandfather uh who were both like national hockey level like not quite nhl but you know, it's called Junior A. Yep. I know it means not a lot to most people who don't understand hockey rankings, but I had lots of family in winter sports and like my mom was a ski racer and my dad actually was in an extreme sport, but it was not uh, a winter sport. He was a motocross rider, professional motocross rider. Wow. So, I mean, I think my uh, adrenaline junkie came from my family. You know, I think they influenced that a lot. And I looked up to both of them and both watched them go crazy on skis. And it was kind of like, ooh, <laughs> okay, this is normal. This yeah. is fun. Can't, they, they can't go off at you yeah. if you want to sell and jump down a big exactly. hill, right? Because they're kind yeah. of doing that as, as well. I've got to ask, just on the subject of hockey, whenever I talk to somebody from Calgary, does that mean you go for a certain team? that I may, get, yeah. may not get excited if you say that you do go for that team? I don't know. If you spent time in Montreal, you might not like my answer. Ah, right. So you're a Canadians fan then? No. I'm no. their opposing fan. I am Leafs? a Leafs fan. Well, how yes. did now come on? You, I thought you were smart. Um <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh, I've, uh, I've offended. Uh-oh. Uh, this whoa, interview was short. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I like my stepmom is a big Leafs fan. And so my brother's a big Leafs fan too. And so it's just kind of like my family's Leafs fans. So I kind of. I feel Colin should be train. doing this. You've listened to our interviews. I'm sure you've heard uh, <laughs> yeah. Colin sort of. Well. You know, you know, I'll tell you the preps I went for this. I had this ready to go just in case you were okay. going to say. <laughs> okay. Well, that, okay. That, that is a good team. That, that one I can good. live with. Uh, yeah. I kind of have. <laughs> I actually have started watching the Kraken. They're the new uh, yep, Seattle yep, team. Yep. And I don't know. I'm starting to get a feeling for them. So we'll see. I don't think I'll ever abandon the Leafs, but. They got Mr. Giordano. So I kind of, they took our cap. Yeah. And I, look, I, I think I it's. I know. It's... They, are, you, are you a Calgary fan? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm co-Calgary oh. Anaheim just because you can't grow up in Australia without going for the Ducks. Yeah. I've got to have an American and Canadian okay. team, but I, I guess Flames probably okay, a little yeah, yeah. bit more so. Yeah. Okay, so, very acceptable. I did, yeah. I did go to Cal- – the one time I went to Calgary was deliberately to go to the Saddle Dome to watch a game. So, you know, that was kind of my, my one the time Saddle Dome in is, I've actually skated on the Saddle Dome ice. Nice. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty fact. epic. 
Wow. It was pretty the, cool. I, I was I, the, the fun thing I found about that was when I got my ticket and I think I had a I had a, a letter or a number, whichever one was in the – and, like, I'm looking everywhere. I'm going, where the hell am I going? And I've done, like, five laps. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go see an usher. And they've looked at me and they're going, oh, you're all the way up there. And I, I didn't even know. I couldn't even see the seats from where I was standing. Go, what, where? Oh, all the way. Oh, yeah. Okay. How do I get there? Do I have to catch a plane or something? Or <laughs> Yeah, it's, like, it's a pretty impressive arena. I mean, yeah. we're having, I think – I'm not sure if it's 100% yet, but they're constructing a new one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty exciting too. Uh, which is which is My quite thing. over because I, I it wasn't, again, we're getting off topic here, but this is what we're doing off the podium. Um, I think wasn't that a big thing around the the city not wanting to pursue the, the Olympic bid for, was it 2026, I think, because they weren't willing mm-hmm. to, to build the stadium at the time or something? Or Yeah. No, it wasn't that the hockey facility was the only one that um, the majority of the city was actually in support of. And so they right. said, why don't we put this funding towards an NHL stadium instead? Because Olympic-sized rinks are different than NHL-sized rinks. So they're like, well, mm-hmm. we can't have both. So Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Which, which I mean, yeah. 20... 30 there's whispers that Vancouver Um, could have the games again so I am quite excited that we're talking about a bid for that uh yeah well Australia just got the 2032 one so we know what it's exciting right now to get another Olympics so um you know Vancouver's ready to go so kind of why not bring it back but you you mentioned the camp sort of this it's sort of a very standard one that people in, in Calgary do is it so is it all just winter sports like are you out there on the ski hills you're on the ski jump you're trying to lose you're trying the bobsled like or is this just kind I'm, of a variety of I'm, different sports I have to think about it because it was a while ago um but I I can't because I didn't actually end up going because I was ill but uh bobsled they don't let young kids try so it was just the luge start uh luge ski jumping God, I don't know what else. I, I love there. how you say they don't let you try bobsled, but they're okay shoving you down a massive hill and still, you know, on a, on a well, little sled. Okay, this is. Um, well, but bobsled's actually, too dangerous. So they have an ice house at Canada Olympic Park, and it's like 20 meters of track, and it goes like down, like the like how steep a start is, and then it goes back up, and so basically you get to do a start on that, right. and so it's not like a actual track. They're just and the, the, the basics, jump. basically. And yeah, and I'd call that ski jump a bump jump. So that's what uh, <laughs> we refer to the little little hills. Like sometimes we'll joke that like uh, a normal hill, like the smaller end uh, of the like competitive hills, are bump jumps. It's like it's like oh, it's a small hill. It's a bump jump because <laughs> you know it's bump just kind jump. of like a little. It's just a little bump, not a you got to fly over it, but. It's one of my favorite sayings is a bump jump. They're funny. Bump jump. I like it. Which, again, to show my naivety as the Australian who knows very limited (laughs) amounts of ski jumping, watching Eddie the Eagle in that scene when he's going over the little ones before working his way up to the big ones. I mean, obviously, that's fiction, but there's some sort of truth to that. There is some truth in that. Uh, The first hill I jumped was, I think it was a 18-meter hill. Right. Wow. That's still a fair distance. (laughs) Well... Only if you're flying that far. <laughs> <laughs> to me, the um, Australian who can't even ski five centimetres, that's a bloody long way. Okay, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But um, it's like, you know, seeing now, like, I'm like, oh, that's like a imitation hill. So, like, uh, an imitation is like we do, like, mock jumps is the best way to describe it, right? So we have, like, a – basically it's roller skis and up 
piece of plywood drilled onto these roller skis into the binding mounts. And basically you set an in run and you practice your takeoff and your coach catches you above their head. I wow. have a video somewhere. I'll need to find it, but it's actually really cool. So we do lots of catches and we do really, really technical stuff on the rollerboard because it's super sensitive. And so if you're in a flat surface, you can, sh so I'll set my end run. It is one of my most important parts of my warm-up routine because if I feel off and like, you know, it, it's like I feel on top and I feel like I'm centered and the board is moving, something's off, right? Like my feelings aren't quite there. So I do like a whole reset. Um, it's not super long. It's probably two minutes but I reset and try again, you know, take a deep breath in, exhale and go into my in run. And then normally that like fixes it because you know, it's all those like tiny little muscle movements that just like slightly alter your balance. And so when the rollerboard's hypersensitive and if you roll off your toes, it's gonna go flying backwards. Or if you push off your heels, it's gonna go shooting forward. So you have to push straight down. So this is a common misconception of ski jumping, but you're actually like, the feeling is like you're almost pushing backwards, but it's like you're pushing 90 degrees instead of diving forward. Wow. Which is because it's, when it's fascinating because this is the thing yeah. I love about like learning about ski jumping because one of the other ones I always love, and we've had a lot of aerial skiers on the show, is that I think the, the common misconception is that you're the highest in, in winters, whereas aerials technically go high, but they're going more vertical, right? So it's yeah, kind of they're vertical. But, like the way I would explain it is like, I, I agree. So they have a larger vertical mm. um, change and we have a much greater horizontal change, like in the air, you know? So if you're measuring from the point of takeoff to, you know, the point of landing, right? Like they go up and then down versus we go kind of just up a little bit and out. And, you know, your flight kind of, your flight path follows the shape of the hill. Mm. Which is also, I can imagine, I mean, I've never seen a ski jumping venue in person. I can imagine it's incredibly impressive. Do you remember sort of when you were starting seeing, I mean, I don't know, maybe had you'd seen the Calgary one before you would even kind of join the sport and, and remember yeah. seeing what it was like for the first time? Well, they're definitely a staple of Canada or of Calgary. So growing up in Calgary, I always knew what they were and, kind of you know they were always in rough shape like you know that's why we had to close them right we couldn't maintain the facility any longer which was really it was really heartbreaking for us I'm not gonna lie um but I remember as a little kid driving underneath the ski jump so we had three towers and so the smallest tower the 60 meter tower which I would still consider a pump jump but <laughs> it the hill was built like this like, so the hill was built over the road and you would drive underneath the road. Wow. And I remember that as like a little kid driving underneath them. It was just like magnificent. It was so cool looking at the jumps. And then on a family trip to Germany, cause we have some family friends there in the town that I later ended up living in. I remember like, I was like, wow. Like I was looking at the window of the car. I was like, my hands are pressed up against the glass. And I'm like, I'm looking at the Garmisch ski jump. So if you've ever seen the Garmisch ski jump, it is like um, the back half of the tower is a freestanding tower. So it's like this giant white glass tower standing up out of the middle of the forest. Like, and it's in wow. the middle of winter too. So it's like the perfectly frosted over forest and like the landing hills all nice and white. It's 
like a little kid pressed up against the glass. It's like, dad, like, I want to try that one. And he's like, no way. Like, I'm not letting you do that. Like, you're crazy. Like, that's never going to happen. Like, just drop it. And I was like, okay. And well, a couple years later, I ended up ending up like getting into the sport. Right. So it's like, I, I didn't actually remember this until the uh, family friend who was in the car mentioned it to me when I moved to Germany to train. He was like, do you remember this conversation you had with your dad about how he'd never let you ski jump? I was like, oh my God, I totally do now that you brought that up. <laughs> my mom's that- yelling at the dog, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, we like the background noise. It kind of, it, it, oh, I, yeah. I thought she was just yelling and going, that's not how it was. You're telling the story wrong. <laughs> No, no, I think the dog's getting into his food. I can see him looking at me through the glass door. <laughs> but. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's yeah. it's insane because, like, this is one thing that I love talking to winter athletes about. It's that uniqueness of the sports that you're taking part in, but it's also the fact that so many of these facilities are so unique in their mm-hmm. own aspect. And a ski jump is obviously that, I mean, so if the Calgary one is no longer operated, is it is Vancouver the only one that exists in Canada? I mean, how many ski jumps do you have in, in Canada that you can go to and, and compete in, a, say, a World Cup event if they have them? One. So it is just the Vancouver is the, the Whistler one. The, is the only issue wow. with Vancouver is that, um, like, it's uh, kind of only used for uh, events. So it only has the funding and facilities for the events. So it doesn't have any summer jumps. So uh, I'm going to explain this. This is a side note, important part of our sport. So we actually have two seasons. We have summer and winter. And in summer, we jump on porcelain tracks with like ceramic bumps to create less friction. And then it's watered. And then the landing hill is astroturf. So it's like these long noodles of plastic. (laughs) I don't know how else to describe it. and it kind of looks like a really thick broom, but just a single row. And so it's stacked down the hill and there's thousands and thousands of these individual strands. So it's probably like a hundred strands are like melted, to, like the tops are like um, fused together with plastic. And they're basically put onto the hill and the snow actually goes on top of the winter jump or on top of the summer jump. So. Uh, they roll out these like wooden slats that keep the snow from sliding off the slope, right? Because it's pretty steep angle. Mm. And when the snow's super sticky and it starts to slide, the whole thing will just shift down the hill and you'll end up like half the hill uncovered. Wow. So uh, these like wooden slats keep the snow on the hill. Wow. So you, is it, and is it a case of, as you're saying, having a, a summer and sort of a, a winter? Uh, I mean, are you so you're not just chasing snow all year round essentially uh because i i guess no. that's a, it's difficult to do in ski jumping really because there would be no whereas say an alpine or a or a freestyle skier can come to new zealand or australia obviously we don't have any ski jumps in this part of the world so you can't really go to the southern hemisphere to chase the snow can you yeah so i think that might be part of the reason why we ended up like summer jumps into bit upgraded but i actually don't know so i don't want to say and be wrong but uh like we are pretty fortunate like we have world cups basically july to october and then november to april wow so we have like one that like i'd say one of the like biggest competition seasons because we kind of have two we have like this weird lull like from the like our last competition is the first weekend of october to mid-november is like this lull where it's like 
you don't really like you're kind of like you have like two weeks where you're kind of like chill like you know strength twice a week some cardio you know more fun exercise and then you start ramping up your season again so it's like it's kind of an awkward pause and you know they have to switch the hills from summer to winter and does that is there different elements to competing in the summer versions versus the the winter you know i mean is it or is it kind of all you're really doing there's not a whole lot of differences you need to do when you are competing in the different seasons well i i really think there's not a technical difference but you know there's some people who prefer summer jumping over winter jumping i personally prefer winter jumping i just i don't know what it is i something about the ice tracks and the sound the skis make on the snow and all of it just is it ties together nicely uh, but I know lots of people prefer when it's warm because uh, setting your in-run feels different because your muscles are warm and you're not trying to keep warm at the top of the jump. Because our uh, suits, they're not like downhill suits. Uh, they're like foam. I'm trying to figure out a good way to explain this. So it's like a layer of foam, a layer of plastic, like almost like a saran wrap. It's a little bit thicker and less fragile, but it's like uh, foam the plastic layer and it has little holes in it. So there's certain permeability. And so you have to reach a certain permeability for it to be legal in any FIS event. So FIS is the Federation International of the Ski. It's a Swiss organization or it's based out of Switzerland. Uh, and so, you know, they have a bunch of rules, right? That everyone has to follow. So it's a even playing field and uh, like they're associated with freestyle skiing too, like alpine skiing, Nordic combined, cross-country skiing. Like, I think any type of skiing is under the rule of fist, like the ultimate rule of fist. And we're no different. We just have a lot of fun rules. <laughs> so <laughs> I wouldn't call them fun, but it's like when I tell people about them, they're like, how come that is a rule? Give uh, us an example. What's what's a, a fun rule then that is very uniquely well, ski this jumping? One, this one is one that's my favorite because it's absolutely ridiculous, but it's you're not chicken wire in your suit. No. Yeah. <laughs> is that a common <laughs> thing that ski jumpers want to have? Well, it used to be something that people would do to cheat. And right. so uh, like you have a certain measurement for your crotch that you have to meet because the crotch of your suit, if it's lower than your actual body, uh, it's like a wing, like, you know, how like mm. a wingsuit has the extra span yep. between your arm and your body. It's the same principle where it's same weight, more surface area, which gives you an advantage, right? More surface area equals better lift and better lift equals a big, like a further jump. And so basically they had to make this rule so that people's suits weren't down to their knees. Anyways, so to get around that rule, people used to put chicken wire in their suit and like they'd push their hands like they'd move their hands in a certain way and the suit would slide down after they'd gone through equipment control. Wow. That's, yeah. that's crazy. And I, 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 know. I, mean, I feel like, like I've got to ask the a question. Like we, we recently had Daniel Gregg on a speed skater and we kind of, we got onto the topic about aerodynamics and the suits. And I asked the question to him. I'm like, does that reward men who maybe are more gifted in like, is that ski jumping? Like if you're, Yes. More gifted in the crotch? Uh -huh. Like, do you have better aerodynamics? Well, there's stories of, like, I don't actually know if people do this anymore, but, like, when the crotch rule first came up where the guys would uh, build, like, fake dongs and, <laughs> <laughs> like, they, like, basically, like, 
Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of been abolished just because like, you know, Fist found out about that. And so people have stopped, but it's actually quite funny that, um, yeah, there's like a bunch of people who like, you know, you always hear the stories of how someone got caught trying to, you know, sticking the sock down their pants or whatever, <laughs> but to get a lower crotch it's, pressure it's, it's, it's so funny because we talked a lot during Tokyo that in athletics, and I really don't want to talk about crotch bulges this entire interview, but like we, we would talk about how like, hey, Andre de Grasse, the Canadian men's team, they're very gifted athletes. Look at them go. Like, I think we need to keep attention during the ski jumping at Beijing to be like, hey, yeah, look, the Norwegians, look this. this is why they're good. Uh, okay. Do you want to know something really funny? Norwegians are notorious for cheating when it comes to, I shouldn't be saying this. I, <laughs> you got to finish the sentence now. Come on. I want to I yeah. learn more about this. <laughs> um, but basically they're notorious for having really low crotch measurements. Um, wow. Like even the girls too, but. It's just really funny. If you look at uh, ski jumping suits, like when people aren't jumping, it's like that, like they had to cheat somehow. Like, I don't know how you did this, but like, look at that. It's like down to your knees. Wow. And and, and how yeah. much improvement, like in all seriousness, like, and Meters. that's like, well, the thing well. about our sport, sport is that like, I mean, half a meter can be like fifth and first, mm. like you know, depending on how close the competition is, you really want to push that boundary, right? Because, you know, half a meter could be a medal versus just top five. Like, and I mean, some people would be like, I'd be thrilled to come top five, but, you know, a lot of those really competitive guys would be, you know, disappointed with a fifth place, right? And so, you know, it's like that every little bit counts, you know, that. I'm, I'm yeah. so fascinated by this, conversation well, Alex, because like i legitimately now can say that during beijing that legitimately the gold medal winner is probably got the biggest dong so um, <laughs> i wouldn't say that for sure you know <laughs> but i mean if you'd like to say that go for it oh i'm I saying go, it right now would, <laughs> <you know? laughs> um uh but i was gonna say do you know how you actually win in ski jumping this is often a question that people get quite wrong I was going to ask, so we, we did talk about this in a recent episode where we were talking about ski jumping and it was a case of naive Australians watch it going, it's who gets the furthest. But it's not, is it? Because it's there's no. technical points awarded too by the flight and the technique and, and everything, isn't there? Yeah, that's actually one of the things I really, really love about my sport is that, uh, you know, it comes down to like that, did I like, did I push it every little bit I can to get as far as I can? Because not only... Like, you know, the further you go, obviously, the more points you get because there's a point per meter, right? Or like however many points assigned per meter. But it's like that, you know, I really had to, you know, work to have my flight look this way. And, you know, that extra 0.5 from that one judge set me apart. And I got to, you know, I got the better score. I scored points. I, you know, came top 20, like that sort of thing where it's like, you know, that little difference is just like, you know, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It just really is a driving force. Because uh, do the technicalities come down to, is it ski positioning and kind of body? Because like there are sometimes like in watching it, you notice sort of you've got of the, the, the great commentators who are explaining it to you are saying like the technique was, was bad, even though you see it and visually it's like, wow, they jumped like 10 metres further, but their skis yeah. are like all over the place. So they're, they're not done as mm -hmm. well. So, um it's 
you start with 20 points and for every mistake or every little error you make, you kind of get docked points. So, you know, if you don't telemark, you lose seven points. That's the biggest thing you can do to lose points is not telemark. And so if it's kind of like a sloppy telly, you might get like five points docked, you know. And if you go really short, you typically get docked marks because, uh, you know, they didn't really have time to look at your flight and, you know, see every little detail. But it's like, it's kind of based on the aesthetic of your flight. And so nice. it's like figure skating where you have five judges and the highest and lowest score gets dropped. And then so those scores, or those points get added up, right? So out of the 20 points and your subtracted points from mistakes. So normally they're typically the same. Um, you, those points get added up and then those points get added to your distance points. And then that comes up with your overall score. And then, so whoever has the most points wins. Pretty straightforward. So it's not golf. But it's not lower score wins, no, right? No, it's not, okay. it's not right. golf. Yeah. Highest so any of the Eagles wins. did not win in Calgary, just to he clarify. He did not that. win. Okay. Did yes. not win. Okay. He did not win. Which, which give, uh, us, give us the trivia for that. We were talking about this off air. Who did win in Calgary? Come on. give us. Maddie Meekin it. There it is. Yep. Thank you. And fun fact, <laughs> my science teacher worked in the bar at the time and actually got to serve Maddie Meekinit on his gold medal night. Wow. I, yeah, it was an interesting story when my science teacher was like, oh, yeah, I met Maddie Meekinit in 1988. And I was like, was he celebrating pretty hard? And he's like, yeah, I don't really know. All those Finnish guys were pretty excited for some reason. Yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> And it takes a lot to get a Finnish person excited. So, you know, something yeah, good has gone down. Like, yeah, uh, it was pretty... <laughs> It was pretty funny when my science teacher was just super casual about it. I was like, yeah, yeah, yep. just. That, that's, that's how it works. It's fascinating, though, because I can imagine when it comes to training that the things you've got to work on, because, yeah, it's about going as far as you can, but then it's that technical side of things too. So is, is there a weighted aspect to it? Are you one week focusing on the distance, the next week focusing on the technicality, or is it a case of you've got to combine it all the time, you can't preference one over the other? So um, my head coach, uh, his name's Janko Spitter. I don't, I never say his name right. I'm so sorry, Janko, if you're listening. Oh, but, come on, Ali. Uh, Everyone, it's, it's so easy to get someone's name right. You should never have to practice uh, that or anything. What are you talking oh, yeah. about? <laughs> yes. Um, basically, he told me, and it was something that really helped me progress. And it was like, you know what? We'll worry about the distances later when they count. And so it was All like, right. you know, you can't, if you're always looking down and looking where you're going, like looking at the ground and looking like I'm going to land here. I don't really want to land here, but I'm going to land here instead of looking out and looking forward and, you know, kind of working on that to get you further. Right. Cause technique does play a role in your distance. So if you're focusing on technique, you will end up going further. So, um, you know, not fixating on those like distances especially when they don't count and, you know, not focusing on where you want to finish. You need to focus on what you want to do. So I kind of have like a little routine for myself. So I pass through equipment control, right? Make sure my crotch and my waist are uh, legal measurements, right? So I can't pull my suit down and my crotch is always at the same length. And, uh, you know, I isolate my mind from jumping. So, I mean, I, I'm not like, oh, I'm going to think about ice cream. Like, it's not like that. It's like still focused, but it's like a meditate focus. So I have like a mantra that I say. And so I train myself to essentially um, 
slow my breathing, slow my heart rate by saying this in my head. So first I started meditating. And when I got good at the meditating, I started saying out loud this saying. And then as I got better and better, I started saying it quieter and quieter and quieter until I said it in my head. And then for like months, I would like, this was during COVID. So all of COVID before I could jump, and it was like seven or eight months before I could go jump again. I spent seven or eight months training my body and my brain to respond to this mantra. And when I finally, finally got to jump and I got to use it, it worked so well. It just like, like this, my like brain is just like hyper-focused. It's precise. It's, you know, like it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's like looking through like clean glasses almost. Wow. Which is, it's, it's, I love hearing that the mental aspect Mm -hmm. of any sport and kind of what you yeah. you need to do because it's the thing I also love about watching the sport the many levels I love I love ski jumping I really do it's um just that moment when you're at the top of the hill and you just mm-hmm. you, that focus that is just in your eyes staring that down and kind of you've got that moment where well, what you're looking at your coach before they can drop you down and kind of all that kind of thing that must be going through your brain before you start going down well, the jump so this is something that often you can't see just from the angle it's filmed at but there's this box and it has three lights on it, it has red yellow green and numbers above each light and so red means you can't get on the bar you're putting on your skis turns yellow means you can get on the bar and then you sit on the bar until it turns green and your coach flags you and in bad wind conditions like you can end up on the bar for like 45 seconds and like usually when you get to 45 they pull you off but you know you still have to be focused until the light turns red again because if the light turns red again you get off if it goes green go but, um, you know, you got to stay focused until, you know, you're either going or you're not, you know? And so it's kind of tricky when, you know, you've been sitting there for 45 seconds and you're just staring at your coach and it's like, it feels like you're going like this. Like, it feels like everything's pulsing and it's like shaking with the wind. And it's like, that is one of the hardest times I find uh, focusing on the hill. And so that's one of the times I really like to use my little saying because, uh, you know. Can you tell us your right saying be- or is it a secret? You don't uh, want to share it. No, no, I can share it. Uh, it's just do what you do. And so it's something my dad always said to me. It's uh, something he came up with. I don't know how he came up with it, but uh, it's something I like to say. I have it written on the inside of my helmet because when we, uh, after we go through equipment control, we take off our helmets and put our masks in. And so I, it's the last thing I see before I get on the bar right. is right. This saying that, you know, Just brings me to peace do. and brings me into focus. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. It's, I mean, so you mentioned before you can be up there for 45 seconds. So there, is there a time limit? So like in archery, how they've got yes. to shoot within a certain amount of time. Like what is the time limit? So once it goes green, you have 10 seconds to go. And like, there's been times where it's like my qualification jump for my, like the, my most recent competition, I, was like I was on the bar and it was on there for a really long time and then it goes green and my coach is like nowhere to be seen and I just see a German flag flag me and I was like well you know what I'm gonna go and I was like I guess I'm going like yep wow you know I have to go on green or I don't get to compete so it's like You'll, you'll see it later. It's on TV. <laughs> and plus, you can't stop. It's Someone's not like you all of a sudden go. Shit, shouldn't yeah. have gone. Like as soon as you go, you're gone. Like you're you're in that jump. Yeah, there's basically. been moments <laughs> where it's like I've gone and I'm like, did my coach actually flag me? Did I just go like without thinking? Like, should I have gone? <laughs> like sometimes I have those moments where it's like oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. 
Whoops. There's my brother. There, there, Sorry. there's you. Bring him in. Let's there bring the is. whole gang in. We'll kind of we'll we'll have the uh the whole talking. <laughs> a family Which, chat. This. Might be a dumb question, oh, but you're not the podium. Oh, okay. I feel like we need to <laughs> see this. Like all of a sudden, it's got. Hey, Cass, come here. Benny Hill come show here. is happening. Bonus. Yeah, bonus he just guest. walked in the glass door. Yeah, the bonus <laughs> guest. I like this. this Our video is the audience is. Hello, go Flames. Uh- <laughs> hello, go Flames. He's also a Leafs fan. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh- <laughs> okay. Whoa. He's- Getting things thrown at you Throwing right mass. now, all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, which I mean, again, this might be a dumb question, but you're on off the podium, so it, it fits the the thing. But when it comes to the wind aspect, is the coach waiting for it to be behind you so it can help you? Because no. obviously, I'm guessing you don't want. Is it, or is it the opposite? How does the other wind, way around? So, so it is the other know, way around. A, a plane always takes off into the wind, right? Yeah. I don't know if yeah, that's pretty common knowledge, but our philosophy is the same you know you have to you create more lift jumping into the wind so headwind is the best conditions for ski jumping sometimes when there's too much headwind it's dangerous because you can end up going too far and hurting yourself but you know i think we're always willing to take that risk wow far jump is a far jump like so do you then just become really attuned to wind so like if you're just at ground level, you're going, well, the wind is flying, you know, 17 kilometers to the west. And it's like you just you get so it's like a wind talker, basically. No, because at the top of the jump, the wind, like the shape of the jump, the wind kind of goes differently up the hill. Like um, the like we normally tap out at like six meters per second headwind. Right. Wow. I mean, like we've jumped in it, but we won't compete in that just because it's inconsistent. And, you know, you get these huge point differentials and when there's wind. So there's such thing as a wind comp, right? Level the playing field. So, um, you know, if I have headwind and the girl behind me doesn't have headwind, I'm going to have negative points because headwind is going to give me an advantage. So, um, you know, it's you get points added or deducted based on meters per second of the wind. So is it a sport that, say, a world record exists or is it so different yes. per venue so, so you can still have, like, world and Olympic records? Yeah, so I don't know what the Canadian Olympic record is. Um, I, I know who holds it, but I don't know what it is. But... Um, I know the Canadian record and I know the world record. So I can tell you those. The Canadian record is, women's record is 130 meters. Right. And the world record is 253 and a half meters. Wow. Just, just. Yeah, a it's a long jump. So. Long, yeah. Yeah, that's ski flying. And women aren't actually allowed to ski fly, which is so unfortunate. Because which I was going to ask about so ski flying. I've read about this. Why isn't I, this? I want to do it so amazing. badly. <laughs> Because there's not enough women who are competitive competitive enough to ski fly. So they're kind of holding it out until we have enough women who are strong jumpers. Because you're going 110 kilometers off the takeoff instead of 91. Wow. So it's a big difference in speed. So like crashes are significantly worse. And mm. right. And like the majority of the women's circuit is smaller than the men's circuit. So, you know, the wind will be like will hit the girls harder than it hits men. So they're just waiting until there's more sustainable jumping in the and women's that, side. And I'm not sure if you know the answer to this one, Ali, but like, is that also why obviously 
it took us to 2014 until we had women ski jumping at the Olympics. Is, is a lot of that around the different physicality no. of a female? Like why did it take so long for us to get women it, ski jumping well, at the Olympics? Well, it was because originally it turned out as sexism because it was introduced in the 20s and it um, never was added in because there's never enough girls to jump in the Olympics, right? So it took so long to have girls in ski jumping in the Olympics because you know, there were no girls to jump in the Olympics because they weren't allowed to be in the Olympics, so no one would join. And so it kind of mm, snowballed. Yeah. Exactly. So it was like there's no older athletes, so there are no younger athletes, and since there are no younger athletes, there's no one to rise the ranks. And, yeah, eventually that was broken, thankfully. But And was that something that helped you? Sort of, I mean, you would have what, um, been about, what, 10 I, Sochi? So was I that kind of... Joined, I joined in 20 like September of like 2013, I think so right. like just before. And so like, it was really exciting because at that point we already knew that it was going to be women. It was, you know, it was like, well, like, look at, look at these girls, like, look at them go like, you know, and like one of, or like the two Canadian girls that went were both local girls. Like they're both from Calgary. And so it was like, wow, like, look at them. Like they're from the same place I am. And it's funny. Cause like now, like I actually know them. Like, I mean, they're no longer jumping. They both retired, but it's like, wow like but breaking that barrier to kind of be the first ever yeah Canadian like those girls female. yeah so there yeah. were two girls that went uh Tsuku Tanaka and Taylor Henrik and so those two girls kind of shattered the glass ceiling which it must be exciting to be able to have that you know as a young athlete to be able to look up to that because mm-hmm. we, we I'm always fascinated when we talk to athletes on the show who maybe start off in a sport that at the time isn't an Olympic sport and they can gradually it becomes one but it's not that ski jumping isn't an Olympic sport. It's yeah, literally it's, that females like, couldn't compete into it until the exactly. last decade. So we, like, ski jumping has been there since the first Winter Olympics, right? Yeah. Like, it's been around for quite a while, just not the women's event. And, you know, like, we still face those struggles today in our sport. Like, um, this is actually the first season I know of. I'm sure there's it's happened before, but we actually have the same number of competitions as the men. And I know that the whole women's circuit is so, so excited. And so this summer, we actually had most of our competitions on a large hill. So that's anything but like bigger than a K105, I think, is the cutoff for a large hill. So we're so excited to be jumping the large hill as like our main competition because normally they only let us be on the like smaller one. So it's kind of like, it was kind of a step in the right direction. And I was actually the, like um, me, Natalie and Abby were the first Canadians, first Canadian women to compete on a large hill in world championships. Fantastic. Wow. And I think I was like third or fourth to start for that. Like, great. It was like I was literally one of the first ones down the yeah. end run in world championships for a woman, which Fantastic. is pretty phenomenal. Well, yeah. I was going to ask that, like in terms of the Olympic competition, you only have the the normal hill or however you refer to it. So is that thing that yeah. you think the progression of that now that that's at the World Cup that we might see in, you know, let's say Vancouver 2030, that we could have the, the I, large and, hoping, and normal hill? I'm hoping that... Uh, it becomes more popular i mean world championships tends to be uh, like a cycle ahead of the olympics just because it happens more frequently um but i'm really hoping that you know they'll incorporate the women's large hill and the women's team event because those are both like those are great events and you know we're missing out on airtime because uh you know we just don't have the same exposure the men do 
We've seen that a lot. Um, I know during yeah. summer we had, uh, say, like the canoeing, for example, we had the mm-hmm. first uh, women's canoeing for the first time ever. And, and it's just kind of, it's, it's interesting that there's so much talk about the equality and how they're still lacking that at the Olympics and, and making it sort of very gender equal essentially but it's it's it is very interesting to look at some olympic events where it just it still doesn't and like i feel the winter olympics maybe is is lacking a little bit in that that there there seem to be a lot more male oriented events at a a winter olympics versus a a summer olympics when there seems to be more leeway at a winter olympics because you've got less events so you can add more events quite easier compared to Mm -hmm. a summer olympics i i agree i it's kind of unfortunate like Winter Olympics is definitely male dominated, which mm. is kind of sad. But I think uh, like we're definitely working towards more equality in sport. Which you know you got to do that one step at a time. You know you can't make big changes fast, or else they won't stay. Do you remember the first time you went? Like you're talking about the bump jumps. Like when you got to go yes. on the proper jump. How old were you, and yes. do you remember that first time? I was nine. Nine. And, wow. And that's <laughs> sure actually your dad loved kind that. of like. <laughs> oh yeah I, that's kind of late for a ski jumper like lots of my teammates joined when they were five or six wow um yeah so you started off pretty young and i always say uh, they start us young so that we don't learn to be afraid um because right you know you're kind of like okay like i'll go go on uh, to it yeah and wow so i actually we have gates right so you know the lower the gate the closer you're to the like, end of the jump, right? So on a small hill, you use the gates to kind of, kind of like work kids up to going from the top. Because on the smaller hills, you typically send kids from the top just because they need a little bit extra speed. And so I remember walking up, and I never jumped before. This was my first day. I was like walking up. And I'm like, what are those bars for? And my coach was like, just keep walking. And I was like, okay. And so like I've always been like very uh, spunky and bubbly and excited like I have that's one of my biggest issues in sport is that I get too excited I mean it's a good issue to have but not always not as a Um, Leafs fan just sorry had to say (laughs) (laughs) yeah I really need Colin on this show he needs to balance the burns basically (laughs) so you know yeah which I mean that's it's fascinating to think that that at that age and and so when you do that is it a a case of wow this is what I I want to do this is this is where yeah, I want to set my jump, career goals from the first jump I was like I'm going to the Olympics I was like I want to go I took one jump and I was like I'm in <laughs> this is it <laughs> this is what I want to do and my first wow. was like, okay yeah so that was so you're eight so you're 17 nine now. I was nine you were nine sorry in, nine yeah so I, I think you mentioned to me about eight years I think you mentioned to me in the lead up to this chat that Beijing is the first that you're allowed to go based on your age. So is, yes. is, what's the age cutoff in ski jumping? I think it's 16, but right. like, uh, you know, it's just kind of, I am one of the youngest World Cup jumpers. I am the, I think I'm the, th- I want to say third youngest jumper with points. So I'm like, I'm like the end of the barrel for age. Like I'm like, I'm pretty young for a ski jumper just at the level I am. Uh, and so I was actually too young to compete in the last games because I wasn't even old enough to compete in the lower level competitions. So, you know, being able to like, I like, I don't know. I was just not expecting to be able to even try to qualify for these games. Like up until last February, I wasn't even able to compete in world cups because, you know, COVID kind of put a damper on the competitions that, uh, 
I needed to get points in to be able to make it to the world stage. So there's kind of three levels of fist competition. So there's fist cup, which is the bottom level of international uh, competitions. And then there's the continental cup, which is the next step up. And so you need to have continental cup points to be able to compete in a world cup. And so my first event on the world stage was world championships. Wow. So that is a big jump from yeah. small COC in like rural Germany to showing up to world championships. It was like, and so I didn't actually like even have the opportunity to try and qualify until I scored those COC points last February. That's crazy. So I mean, and then all that. of a sudden I was an Olympic contender and I was like, yeah. what the heck? Welcome, like, I, welcome to the sport. Uh, by the way, you're like, right whoa. on the cusp of that. Why, why is there, a, do you know why there's an age? Because like, I mean, we just seen in Tokyo, we've got 12 year olds winning Olympic well, medals. So why the hell can't you be going off competing as a 14 year old at the Olympics? Well, just because ski jumping, we peak quite late is all. Right. And so it's a sport that's hard on your body and pushing kids like hard uh when you're young and so i think the cutoff for a fist competition is 14 years i could be wrong I, the rules could have changed but when i was 14 it was you had to be 14 to compete and wow. so you know you have to be over 14 to score fist cup points and you need fist cup points to be able to compete in a coc and you need coc points to compete in a <laughs> world cup so it takes kind of a season of scoring points to make it up to the world cup and uh it was, I was shocked when I was, became an Olympic contender. I was like, holy crap, like, what am I doing here? I, I don't know how I ended up here. I'm with like the older girls now. I'm training with them. Like they're my friends now. Like what is happening? Yeah. Wow. Which, so just to clarify, so you've qualified, you're officially going to Beijing. Can we say that? So I have a provisional qualification. So uh, we can qualify and qualification like the quota list can change up until, oh God, I think it's January like 15th or 16th. So uh, I have a bit of time, uh, but I like remember when my coach told me that I had like a spot and it was like, I've been, my jumping had improved drastically. So like I had my first top 20 finish on the world stage. So that was like a huge thing for me. I wasn't actually happy with my jumping that day. I was happy that I was unhappy with my jumping rate because, you know, it means a step in the right direction. I can finish in the, like, toughest competition of the season in the top 20 and be unhappy with my jumps. It's it's a sign that I'm moving in the right direction and I'm making steps forward. Even if they're right. baby steps, it's a step. And so I was, like, I was actually, like, on the verge of tears. I was so upset. I was, like, I could have done better. Like, I just, that wasn't enough. Like, I know I, like, finished in a good spot. Like, I don't even want to look at where I finished. But, like, I just, I'm not happy with that. And so I was actually, like, 14th or 15th after first round. And so I was, like, super upset. My second jump wasn't very good. And I was just, like, sitting alone in the change room. I was just, like so bummed and like i hear the like click of the radio and it's like and it's like my coach comes in like miss alexandria and i'm like yeah and he's like congratulations i'm like what for and i'm like on the verge of tears there's like a tear like like swelling up in my eye and i'm like what is it yonko yonko is my head coach and he's like you lady qualified for the olympics and i just like start like crying wow. i was like so happy i was so like i was just so overwhelmed with emotion it's like 
you know, that like thing I've wanted to do my entire life, it just happened. And it's like, I don't even know how to react. Like, I'm just so excited and I'm still upset that my jumps were crappy and I'm just excited to be here and I just don't know what to do. I'm so overwhelmed with everything and it's like, holy crap. Because it's that, it's that moment. I always love learning from our guests that moment when they realize they're going to the Olympics. And I think off the top of my head, Tom O'Halloran, Australian sports climber, might be the only athlete we've had on ahead of their first Olympics. They've never been to one and kind of it's that, that mindset, which you're kind of in that euphoric but competitive yeah, like, mindset where you obviously still need to tick the boxes to make sure you're on that yeah. plane, but so, you're basically there. So, like, that must be a weird yeah, mindset to like, kind of be in. It is. It's, you know, it's kind of working forward. So I've got some pretty ambitious goals, but I have to take them one step at a time and, like, kind of, you know, I need to take a moment sometimes. And I, what works best for me to have results turn out is – not thinking about the results because they don't like, you can't do anything about them. If that's all you're thinking about, you can't do anything about them after they happen. They're just there, you know, you got to live with them and it's something that you can be proud of. And it's something you can be upset about, but it's nothing you can worry about. Yeah. And so, you know, I focus on what I need to do. I need to feel. And so I, and my mental coach tell me feel, don't think. And that is something that stuck with me and it's really changed my jumping because, you know, you know, you're thinking about those outcomes. You're thinking about how you want things to turn out. You're like in like just generally in jumping too. It's like, I want my timing to be better. It's not, I feel on top. And when I feel on top, my jumping, like I hit the takeoff at the right time. I'm more powerful. I'm this and this and this, because when you learn those feelings and you learn what those feelings are, you become very technically uh, proficient and you become super strong all around, like not just physically strong, but you know, that mental strength is a huge component of our sport. Wow. Which going back to your point, you mentioned about you peak sort of at a later age. What, what age are we talking about here for a ski jumper where you are going to hit your peak? It's kind of hard to tell because it's like pretty like it's different for everyone like I know like Sarah Takanashi who's my personal hero um she is like the most decorated ski jumper of all time man or woman she's 24 um and I wouldn't say she's peaked yet so I mean wow. you know you get athletes like her and you get athletes like uh, Manuel Fetner and Kasai who are like in their late 30s and Kasai retired when he was 40 something and so, like, you get those athletes who retire super late but have really successful careers all the way up to the end. And you get those athletes who are super strong out of the gate and kind of fizzle. And so, you know, it's hard to say when it's a sport that's based so much on mental strength. And, you know, it's like, how long can you keep this up? And how long can you physically and mentally push yourself to be better and be stronger and be the best? Because I'm trying to work out your path here because you'll be, what, 18 yeah, by the time Beijing, right? So let's yeah, so hypothetically. I will, just, I will not have even been 18 for a month when I go to Beijing. So so let's path this out for you then, Ali, that like 2030 Home Olympics Vancouver will be your third Olympics and you'll only be, what, 26. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. 2034, you'll what, then be 30. That probably you'll- be my last around the last no, keep Olympics. going. I'm 34. <laughs> so by the time you get to 34, there'll be, what, 2038. 
So that will be your fifth Olympics. Like, and bugger it, go to your six. Go, you know, keep going. Thirty-eight. Well, you can do twenty forty. <laughs> we've got we've got one guy who's been like, I mean, he's not super old. He's like twenty-nine, I think. I'd have to double check. Not but, super um, old, twenty-nine. Thanks for that. Um, just glad to. Do, uh, what, what cutoff do we get to super old? Am I super old? Thirty-four. No, 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 for an athlete. For an athlete. Um, he he has had like a pretty good career for himself. Like he's been to. God, I think 2010 was his first Olympics. I'm not sure. And so 2010 through to 2022, and I agree he'll stick around for another one. Hopefully he'll stick around for another one. Wow. We had an Australian equestrian rider at his uh, eighth Olympics was 62, won a silver and bronze in Tokyo. So, you know, did did all right there. But it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's fascinating just kind of that, that aspect. I always love finding out sort of, the ages that people because like we've had gymnasts on the show and you know yeah, like, if you're 17 going to your first olympics you're almost you know at retirement age you're retired like it's, yeah it's interesting For us, it's quite it? different it's like i'm super like on the like abby and i were both super considered super young for jumpers right like and then you know a gymnast would be like what are you kidding me like you should be retired like <laughs> you should be it's coaching just like <laughs> yeah exactly it's like completely different i mean I think it's just based on the person and their mental strength and capability. That's what our sport comes down to. Can you, is, sorry, go sorry. ahead. Finish that. It's just one of the things I really like about it is that, you know, it's like, you can't just physically be strong. You have to be mentally strong. I mean, I'm sure that's true with any sport, but it's especially true with this one. Which the other unique aspect of ski jumping is realistically outside of wingsuit jumping i mean it's probably the closest you've got to flying i mean can, can you describe that feeling of being the does it feel like you are flying yeah it does so you can actually when your skis are in the proper place you can actually feel the lift under your skis so you wow. can actually feel the climbing and you know like you feel that adrenaline build and it's just like it's just like warm like washing over your body and it's like peaceful but it's exciting and you know I try to explain it as like an oasis, you know, like it's like you're very present, but you know, you're still not isolated, but you're sort of isolated and you're like, it's almost like someone hits pause and everything else is just moving in slow motion. The problem with that pause button is when something starts to go wrong, someone hits the fast forward button and everything is in hyperspeed. And so it's like, you know, I mean, when you watch it in real time, it moves pretty quickly. It's a high-paced sport, but uh, to us, like from our perspective, you know, time kind of moves at a different speed. Which, how long on average are you in the air for? Oh God, I actually don't know the answer to that. I am horrible at telling time and like, (laughs) not like reading time, but like my sense of time is so awful. I could not tell you. Which, because it's, I know, like, when we've talked to, to Laura Hinkson Diver, I think she mentions, like, 1.9 seconds from the 10 meter. And then I think from memory, aerials is about three oh, it's seconds. Far, yeah, it's probably, like, five seconds, I'd say, if that would be my guess. Five seconds, maybe. Which, again, it maybe comes longer. back to that. I can imagine watching it in But there's, like, person. that huge build with, like, sh- you're, you're going down. I don't I don't know if I can send you videos on Zoom. Can I send you videos on Zoom? You, you, you might be able to a... share the screen, I think, potentially to kind of go that way. I don't know how to do that. How that um, way. I have but, some um, videos on my laptop. Mm. You can send it to job. us after, Ali. We can, we can yeah, sort of okay. look at those and, yeah. and share those with it too. But it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's one of those 
again, most sports to me are better in person. Most people would agree. But I could imagine watching sort of you guys jump off that and just seeing it in person is a completely different experience than watching a camera fixated on you. Uh, it is. I, I would agree that it is. But sometimes the camera angles are actually better angles than the viewing angles because you're just watching straight from the bottom. So you just see something come off and kind of go down. But the camera angles, right, you get to see the takeoff and you get to see the flight path. And it's a slow-mo oh. sport. I love those sports when slow-mo yeah. really – like I love those just – the super slow-mo of you in the air and you can see your facial expressions and just everything. It's like, It's amazing in slow-mo. Yeah, it is pretty magnificent. And it's like you can see all those little micro adjustments that are being made to have the longest flight possible or like fix those tiny mistakes. And it's like, you know, as a jumper, you're like, oh, like, look at his like uh, left tip of his ski. Like Mm. it's like kind of wavering. He must have taken off from the other foot. And, you know, it's like when you know the sport and you know the technical aspect, you can see those micro movements and like why they're making other movements. And you're like, oh, he must have, or she must have done this because of this. And so it's like, oh, like, like there was a jump where I had where it was like, my skis have like a wobble is the best way to put it. It's like, they weren't super stable and it's because I was late. And so, you know, you don't have the same leg effect that you do when you're actually hitting the table. And so, you know, you can tell, cause I was making those tiny adjustments, trying to uh, stabilize myself and get myself as far as possible downhill. Which I, I can imagine that helps if you're reviewing a tape with a coach that you mm-hmm. can say like, okay, your left ski is 0.2 millimeters to like work on this or things like that, yeah. right? And so like a lot of the time he'll video, like our assistant coach will help us and he'll videotape us from behind so we can watch our symmetry because that's a big thing that affects uh, distance is the symmetry of the jump, right? And you won't get docked marks unless your symmetry is like really, really bad. But if you uh, have good symmetry, then uh, your flight will carry better and you'll be able to create better lift, right? You know, like you don't want an airplane with one wing shorter than the other. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it depends on what you're doing in that plan, I guess. But which, I mean, on the physical side of it, you talked about the mental, but if you're hitting the gym, what do, what are, you, what are you working on? Kind of what part of the body is, is the main focus of a ski jumper? We do a lot of core and a lot of leg and our core and leg is all fast twitch right so like i mean but our core it's like firing for however long we're from when we leave the bar to when we come out of the outrun because right it kind of is important for this like stability and when you're pushing and you have a weak core right it's like pushing a string versus pushing a stick right like a string is going to be floppy and it's going to wobble around versus a stick it's going to just move where you push it and so like strong back and strong core uh we don't really do a lot of arms not gonna lie uh ski well, jumpers are not is. known for our <laughs> arms but um my team specifically does a lot of like weighted jumps so it's like uh this is one of my favorite exercises and it's like you have a like a bar free weights on your back and you go down really slowly you pause at the bottom where your legs the angle of your legs and shins are what they are for jumping and you jump up with the weight and your teammates catch the bar. Wow. And it's really funny when we're in the public gym in Slovenia and there's like these big dudes who are weightlifting and then there's like the four of us, like tiny girls who are like throwing <laughs> the weights around, <laughs> like literally throwing them. 
Wow. Which is what which is one thing. Um play in the village when you're in Beijing, the guess the athlete game. So if you're in the gym and you're going, Okay, well I mean I must I reckon it'd be even trickier for winter athletes yeah. as opposed to because at least at the summer you go, oh, they're a weightlifter, they're a they're a cyclist, they're a rower, yeah. like they're on the the correct machines. But I can't imagine well, you're sitting there going, Nordic combined or maybe luge, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um like sometimes it's like that. We train in the um CSI, so uh, the Canadian Sport Institute, and sometimes it's like I, I like I wonder what sport they are because it's like I like don't recognize the logo that they're wearing. <laughs> it's like oh, and then it's like we're all like oh, like do you think they're this sport? It's like no, no, not this sport because of this, this, and this. And so it's like we're like hmm, I wonder what they do or oh, <laughs> what do you think they do? You know, just keep guessing it. Wow, yeah, I, yeah. I love those sort of things to kind of do that. Just I mean, so with. Beijing, obviously, getting to the Olympics, you know, dream come true. You mentioned before about finishing in, in the top 20. Do you do you go in with a goal, like top 20, or does it, because it's your first Olympics, it's more about getting that experience under your belt and then maybe building towards Milan-Cortina a little bit in, in four years' time there? Um, well, my personal goal is definitely top 20, but, you know, sometimes with pressure, you don't always perform as well as you're going to want to. So my goal is just to make second round. So, you know, top 30, move on to the next round for all of those who don't know the rules of ski jumping. So you have 40 contenders and then top 30, move on. And uh, so my goal is top 20, but I'll take a top 30 happily. The, the the opposite, though, is sometimes pressure builds upon that. And who knows? I mean, yeah. I, I discovered that Canada has never meddled in ski jumping. So I know. it is That is one of my biggest goals is yeah, to you could be the first. the first Canadian. Yeah. So I think Horace Brewer, Brewer, I can never say his name correctly, um, was the first or like has the best Canadian, uh, like he has the best placement for Canadian in the Olympics and has the most Canadian World Cup wins. And I think he's the only one with a World Cup win that's more than one or like two. So he's the only like consistent World Cup winner. But um, I'm hoping to change that. You I will. Intend to we'll say that. you will so, right now. <laughs> uh, that's part of my plan. And, uh, yeah, well, I have some pretty ambitious goals, but I, nothing's I impossible. Love, we, we, I mean, you've listened to some of our episodes. I thoroughly suggest to avoid a bunch of them, but listen to any of our <laughs> Tokyo coverage and you will hear some of our great daily commentary we did. We did it actually back in Pyeongchang when Jared famously did his mogul, mogul, mogul call, which was fantastic. But... We got some tips from Brick Cox on how to commentate moguls properly. We're going to probably try and commentate ski jumping. Is there anything you besides me staring at your crotches? That sounds really inappropriate, but there's a science yeah, behind does. that. What uh-huh. uh, should we be looking out for besides that fact? That's a good question. Um, I mean, timing is a big thing in ski jumping, right? Like you can kind of tell, you kind of have to know the sport a little bit. So I'd say... Maybe watch a few jumps uh, to get the idea for it. And uh, the landing is a very important part, uh, the stability in the flight and kind of the aesthetic of the flight. So, you know, do, do they look really confident and powerful or do you know they kind of look passive and nervous and struggling? Right. And can we talk about like, the 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 pre moment before you're hanging on to that bar is there like a a moment in the warm up room like is there a pump up have you got the AirPods in and you're listening to something to pump I, you up is that something we can talk up 
I, yes, I do actually have, there's one thing that my team does as a whole that I really love. We have a pump up song and we're black, like we listen to music together going to the hill. And that's one of my favorite things is like, you know, it's like an individual sport, but you know, it's like, I have all these people who are in this with me. And it's like, we are like, our sound changes every now and again, but you know, we listen to this song, we're screaming it, our coaches are even singing it. It's like, everyone is like united in this moment. And it's like really pure like moment, like it's super wholesome, you know, we're all just like joined and it kind of lets you forget about all that pressure coming into the event, like into the stadium. And so after that, we normally like volley, uh, like with a volleyball, we'll pass around the ball or uh, what else we do, sometimes soccer ball too just to kind of like start our warm up and get the ball rolling. Haha, <laughs> pun intended. I, I, I see what you um, did there. Good job. <laughs> uh, kind of getting ourselves uh, excited. Uh, I have an issue with getting too excited. I get super wound up and I have a tendency to jump early because I just cannot wait any longer. And I'm just <laughs> so excited. I fixed that problem now, thankfully. But uh, it took a lot of work to get over. So my coach actually had me playing like it was like bocce but right. with frisbees oh wow so basically i was just like he would play with me so that i would have to do something that took a lot of focus and that i wasn't super good at so it like took a lot of like technical thought that would draw myself away from that i can't wait to jump i can't wait to compete i'm so excited look at all the people here <laughs> and when i get excited i start like talking a million miles a minute i mean i talk pretty fast now but like i get going and so my coaches like have kind of found a way to take me down a notch or two take you down a little bit and, okay yeah wow. yeah and so i now have i carry it's a cut off of a hockey stick and a ping pong ball and i like bounce <laughs> the ping pong ball on the hockey stick because it takes so much because i have really bad hand-eye coordination i am probably the clumsiest clumsiest um like professional athlete you will ever meet like <laughs> like i am known for being a klutz so like i it's i'm a disaster sometimes but uh anyway so it's like it takes a lot of focus and a lot of work for me to actually hit the ping pong ball on the stick and so i use that to kind of like bring myself down and chill myself out because i just you know I want. I like this. I like the science of everything that I've got the technicalities because I, I will probably be honest and say that if we send you our ski jumping commentary, you probably will hear some stuff which you're like, okay, well, he didn't listen to me, but I at least laughed. At least I, I hope you <laughs> will. But I'm liking this idea I, of the I ping can't pong wait ball for hobby. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we sent uh, um we had uh, some some uh, offensive artistic swimmers. We sent us their commentary. And Max von Haster, um, our, our fencing guest, he loved our commentary to the fact that I think he tagged the International Fencing Federation. Was like, get these guys commentating. And all we talked about, I think, was the uh, both competitors were fighting over each other's wives or something. I can't even remember. We did a lot of commentary. <laughs> oh my so, god! Yeah. I can't wait to hear the ski jumping. We will. We will um, try our best to that. What's the song? What's the pump up song that you have before? My pump up song, or, or the team song, or like kind of. I have a playlist more that kind of. Give us both. Give us the secrets for both so, if you're allowed to disclose um, them. Well, right. Like we listen to the song Friday uh, uh, a lot. So it's is like that the, the it's like Friday. Friday yes. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, yeah. We yep. listen to that one a lot in the summer, and then it kind of switched to. Uh, God, what song were we listening to now? Um, I can never remember the name of this song. I know all the words. Um, it's you a can sing it for song. us if you really want to. 
<laughs> oh, I can't sing. I uh, I can't ski jump, I, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think it's like I'm feeling. No, I feel good. I think is what it's called by Pitbull. Okay. Anyways, we like we listen to that song on full blast in the team car. It's pretty fun. Pumps it works. I like that. Again, we'll, yeah. we'll remember this. Come come the Olympics, and we'll, yes. we'll make sure that it goes that way. I just before we get to sort of our wrap up final questions, which is I don't even have to pre warn you. You know, know about these. I know. I know these ones. Yeah, you've written your answers. I've said you've drawn things already for me, I, Ellie. I expect. I, I was going to, but I actually ended up writing a practice exam instead. No, <laughs> well, you know, certain things can take priority. I guess yeah, there, but you know, I'm actually. I'm really intrigued. I, I'm always looking for a way into the Olympics. Again, I'm, I'm a bit older. You know, curling I thought was always mine. But I, I'm really thinking ski jumping because, as I said to you off air, Australia has never had an Olympic ski jumper ever. So, I mean, I feel that the quota should probably maybe exi- – maybe there's just this Australian slot that is waiting that no one's ever taken up from. So maybe if I just get on one of the bump jumps, kind of get a bit of practice, then I can get into one of the suits. I would automatically be the Australian record holder straight away and then just somehow, like, get to a point where I can qualify for the Olympics. I mean, do you have any advice for me? Should I maybe look at a ski jump and go, maybe that's for me and maybe give it a crack? I don't want to burst your bubble, but you would need to come top 30 in more than one World Cup. Oh, look, I'm up for a challenge. Yeah. Uh. The, and we call that the Eddie the Eagle rule. Right. Okay. Damn it, Eddie. Yeah. You know, yes. God damn it. I knew there was a reason why that movie sometimes annoys me. Um, it's just it's <laughs> ruining my Olympic dreams. Exactly. Damn it. I'm sorry. Yeah, which no I mean, look, it's, it's far more then. than Hugh Jackman with <laughs> an American not, accent, <laughs> which kind yeah. of annoys you. Which, in all seriousness, because it's it's always fascinating. Whenever I've had bobsledders on the show, I mean, straight away it's like, oh, cool runnings, you know, like you, you get that, particularly in this part of the world. But, like, does a movie like that help or hinder the sport? Because obviously it brings new eyes to the sport. People know his story. But for someone like yourself who this is your career and you've got dumb Australian like me going, oh, I saw it in a movie, like – does it weirdly also hinder it because there's a lot more to it than a, oh. a fictionalized version of a true story, if that makes sense? A little bit of both, I'd say, because um, it did actually help a lot of ski jumping in Cal- like in Calgary specifically, just because a lot of like the parents of the kids who ended up joining were actually there and watched Eddie, right? So we had an event where Eddie actually came. I have jumped with Eddie. Fun fact: wow. I have actually him? jumped with him. Yes, I was twelve. Okay. <laughs> 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 there you go. And I outjumped him when I was twelve. I like to say that because people are always mind blown when they say I outjumped Eddie the Eagle when I was twelve years old. But um, that event actually, the that was one of the like still to this day I have competed in world championships and like World Cups, and that is still one of the most spectated events I have ever competed or like jumped in. It wasn't a wow. competition; it was just a Insane. show comp. But like. There were thousands of people there watching us jump just because Eddie was there. It was That's crazy. crazy. Which is those mm-hmm. eyes, though. It's, it's that, like you've got sort of eyes yeah, on the it, sport, but it's exactly. like it's it's a weird eyes because it's yeah, sort it's of like not. It's like you know when you watch someone kind of starting to stumble, you're like, oh, I kind of want to watch this. I know I shouldn't, but it's like I wonder if it's like that. You know where it's like a. If you're watching NASCAR just for the crashes, basically, when there's a yeah. lot more to it. Well, you know? not yeah. necessarily crashes. It's more like I want to see so- like a normal person do this. Like this is someone like me. I want to see them do this. 
Yeah. Not like these people are trained to do it. Not these people who are spectacular at it and who have, you know, dedicated their whole lives, which is the unfortunate part is that people wanted to watch someone like a normal person, not someone who's dedicated their lives to it. Which it's, it's, it's interesting because again, on that aspect of saying that on the outside of, of Canada and Australia, we look at Canada as a, a winter sports powerhouse and we assume you're good at all winter sports, but obviously ski jumping, you know, when we had yes. Nathaniel on to talk about Nordic combined, it's obviously not quite on that level that, you know, it is for hockey and, and speed skating, things yeah. like that. But it's, it's fascinating to kind of think about how that can have a, a, a negative impact at the same time, because people associate particularly like in Australia I'm I have no doubt that if I went to a random Australian and talked about ski jumping the first thing they're going to talk about is Eddie the Eagle it's no different if I said bobsled yeah. they're going to talk about cool running. if I talk about ice hockey they're going to talk about the mighty ducks these fictionalized versions of things mm-hmm. which sure it brings eyes on it but your sport is you know an amazing sport and you're you're all highly trained athletes who are doing the best you can it's it's a lot more than some random yeah. English dude who just happened to jump down a hill Exactly. And so, I mean, actually, I find this very interesting about my sport, but crashes aren't as common as you'd think they are because the people jumping the big hills and the dangerous hills are like trained to be jumping those hills and they've had years of practice, right? So it kind of eliminates the risk. I mean, there's always going to be a risk, like there's environmental factors, right? You can't control the wind, you can't control the rain, you can't control the snow. As cool as that would be, you can't. So, I mean, I have had my own crashes due to that. I mean, to be fair, one of them, I ran into a wall, but I. <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> so I, I just like, I was trying to stop and I kind of just stopped and tipped over into like a cement wall and hit my head on the wall. I don't really remember it. I had a pretty bad concussion. Wow. Um, yeah. That's, I, I mean, it's, it's actually, I'm learning a lot more about, sports in which I don't associate concussion with on this show. Ski jumping is not like when you do crash, you get pretty hurt. Like um, torn knees is a pretty common one. Concussions, dislocated shoulders, mm, broken ankles, things like standard. that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Standard Ouch. injuries. Wow. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's also, and that's, fortunately that's the element. they're not, yeah, fortunately they're not too common. Like you can go a couple events without having anyone even, like slide out at the bottom but because it's also it's, I mean, it's uh, yeah it's that danger element that i think a lot of people get drawn to about the winter sports but it's also i always love those sports where like let's picture this that you are you're leading in beijing you're in the the kiss and cry sort of moment waiting watching you got the cameras on you and you've got three competitors left like deep down you're going crash 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 come on i want a medal well, <laughs> What you're actually thinking when you're like that one away from the position you want to be in, it's like, oh, like, come on, like disqualification, not permitted to start. <laughs> Something happens. Someone doesn't jump well. It's like, oh, chicken God, wire. oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that chicken wire. I've only heard one story of that, and I don't know if it was actually a true story. I do know it's a rule, but I don't know if it's a real rule. Like, That's... you know. Is there a website yeah. where I can go to to find all the weird rules of ski jumping? I mean, I just Google it, but uh, I'm I, sure I need to, we, you'd education. have to read through fists. Yeah. I mean, I will read can... through fists. I like reading okay. extended sporting documents to find weird sporting rules. So Okay. I mean, 
You could create yeah. a website that's weird sporting rules. Well, they used to have those like those coffee table books, which were like weird laws that exist in America. And it's like, you cannot marry a horse in Alabama, like laws that legitimately exist. <laughs> so like, I'm sure oh, there needs to be a God, sporting yes. version of that. I, don't, I actually don't know if that's a law. I'm or not. sure Sorry. there is, but Probably. no, no, I know. I, I knew you were just. Same I'm sure if people but... in Alabama are listening and they're about to marry a horse, maybe just look that up first. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it might be a good plan. Possibly, possibly. Yeah. As, as I said, you, you know these and these questions, of course, which I'm really hoping they didn't do these for Tokyo as far as we know. So I'm hoping if they, they bring this back for Beijing I, Team Canada that they will give you some yeah, of these because these are great questions. I did have a bunch of questions. So I don't know if I can actually talk about that. Oh, oh, okay. We don't know. I didn't hear anything. But, I don't know what you're, what you're talking um, about. Now, sadly, okay. though, Team Canada did not interview any ski jumpers. At least if they did, they didn't publish any of the ski jumpers on their website. So I've gone with a guest of ours, uh, Andy Naughty, a mogul skier, who was obviously retired now, but uh, she, she came on this show just before Pyeongchang. So these, these are questions. And these questions, I'm sure if you've listened to enough of these interviews, you'll see some of them change. I'm- Yes, yeah, so, they're not always the same, but I know yeah. for the most part they're similar. If there's a, if there's I, a I, question you're dying to answer that I don't ask you, Ali, then please let okay. me know and I will gladly okay. ask you it. So uh, just... I'll also, yeah, I can also let you know if I've already answered these for uh, the Canadian okay. Olympic Committee. All right. So you subtly saying that maybe we can look out for these answers to use in Beijing, maybe. Yes. Just don't Maybe. tell anyone. Okay. All right. Not yet. <laughs> Let's start off with your favorite Olympic moment is. Um, probably the first women's ski jumping event. I mean, that's like, I do remember the first event I remember watching was moguls in Whistler, women's moguls, or maybe it was right. men's. I don't remember. I was pretty young. I was like five or six. And, um, but for sure, it had to be the first women's ski jumping event. Like, that's a pretty spectacular moment. It's a huge step in my sport. And, you know, it's like that shattering the glass ceiling, right? Those women who, you know, were told their whole life they'd never be an Olympian because they're a woman. And, like, look where they are. Look what they've done. They've, yeah. like, created a pathway for, like, a generation of new jumpers and generations after that. So, you know, it's pretty spectacular when you're continuing on, continuing on a legacy, not just for yourself and your country, but for an entire sport. 100% for sure. I love that answer. Um, now, you sort of, I guess you've already answered this, really. As a kid, your favorite sports team was the Leafs. I mean, do you have any other sporting teams that you follow outside of the Leafs? Well, as a kid, it was not the Leafs. It was the Flames uh, and the Canucks. Oh, wow. Geez. What, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> The Nucks. Um, yeah, because they were winning at the family. time, or <laughs> yeah, they were. But uh, my mom's family is a fan. Right, I okay. see. Okay, well, you got sort of you you were on the Run right page the for one of them there, I, I guess. <laughs> um, if you could be a superhero, who would you be? Okay, this is one that I have actually answered before, uh, but not for uh, this Olympics. It was for uh, Youth Olympic Games, but. Uh, and I said Superman, and I would like to keep my answer the same because uh, Superman can fly, and so can ski jumpers. I think Superman would be very good at ski jumping. I had just... a I had a Superman obsession until I was probably yes, about should. fifteen. Wow! Yeah. What happened? Why? I... Why not? What just fell out of love with Superman? Didn't like Henry Cavill? No, kind of what, no, what happened no. There? It's not that. I actually have like some original Superman comic books. Like wow. 
uh, it's pretty like that's how much I'm just not as obsessed as I was. I would say I see. I like had a I had a Superman undersuit for my wow. Well, yeah. you could, could you not like talk to Team Canada I, and be like, can we do something and make it like that would attract the viewers? Like, hey, Team Canada are wearing Superman capes when it comes to the ski jumping. <laughs> well, I think a cape would be illegal and <laughs> would create too much. <laughs> just without drag. chicken wire, though. Come on, you could work around it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, maybe a little bit, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, you have to have your so- suit suit sewn a certain way. Here we go. That was a hard one. You got there. Suit sewn a certain <laughs> way. Um, so you can't actually have anything like printed on it unless it's a sponsor. Unless wow. Superman's willing to sponsor me. DC I don't think can really sponsor Team Canada. Yeah. There you go. That would be right? cool. That would be they, really exciting. I know. See, they've done that in Australia. They've had some weird sponsorships where I think one of the the rounds I had for like uh, one of our rugby competitions, it was like they they had makeshifts. Like one team would wear a Batman logo. So they do it with Looney Tunes all the time here. Our basketball competition will have like the Sydney Kings will be wearing fucking Bugs Bunny on their shirt or something like that. So. <gasps> Yeah. That's amazing. It's come to Australia. Wow. Start up the Australian Ski Jumping Federation and you'll probably get away with it. So, <laughs> okay. you know, I'm sure it's dying to start up there. Just on that topic of movies, though, you mentioned me off air, Star Wars. I need to yeah. ask you which is your favourite Star Wars movie. Oh, I always have a lot of hate for this one, but uh, The Empire Strikes Back. Hey, okay. Good answer. Good answer. I'm glad you didn't go with any yeah. of the Disney ones. You know, we'd have a different. No, uh, I, those ones are okay. I just prefer the my my order like goes the original three, prequels, and then the Disney ones. Smart answer because it's it's you're obviously of that age group where the sequels I, are your Star Wars. Like that's you when you yeah, grew up. I grew yeah. up on the prequels, and like my parents well, grew up on the original. My, so it's, my, like it's yeah. My parents. Um, or big Star Wars fans, well, at least my dad is. I don't know if my mom's as big as a Star Wars fan, but um, I like we. I started with the originals, though. I think that's what it was. Is that my parents started me off with the originals, and so that's where I got my work that way. Work that way. Just because yeah. you mentioned sort of answering some of the questions for the for the Youth Olympics. So, did you compete at the Youth Olympics? And if so, what I was... didn't end up competing because up I had like couple weeks before i actually got a concussion in school (laughs) uh i went to sit down in a chair and someone pulled the chair out from underneath me and i hit my head on the metal table and yeah no you suddenly picked for you because somebody pulled a chair (laughs) from it wow jeez yeah it was it was pretty unfortunate like and it was like like weeks like i think it was like december 15th i got the concussion something like that and like right before christmas break and then, um, like, Team Canada had their meeting in Montreal, like, the team hype-up meeting in, like, on, like, January 10th or January 11th or something like that. Wow. So it was, Jeez. like... I, t- I hope they yeah. got a detention for that. Like, hey, not only did you potentially hurt I, somebody I badly, actually, you cost them a spot I, at the Youth Olympics. <laughs> I don't remember. Like, it was... I don't know. I just don't remember a good amount at that time at all. Wow, must have hit your head pretty yeah. hard then. Uh, I did. On... I like <laughs> it was Jeez. like a steel table, and I just yeah. Wow. Okay. I like Note went to self, into. Don't go to school in Canada. I actually, yeah, I actually went. To, <laughs> I went to training after that, and I just like lied down on the floor of the gym. And I was just like, "What happened to you? Like, are you okay?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I think I hit my head on the table." <laughs> he was wow. like, "Oh, what?" 
Jeez. That explains why you go for the Leafs. Hey, there it is. (laughs) I was a Leafs fan before that, so I don't know. I feel like I'm ticking off all the burns here right now. And Colin's listening to this, you know. Jeez. All right. You can get me back. I think he'd be proud. Yeah, he would be. He would be proud. Uh, So, as you know, the drawing element. So, if you want to draw, this is draw a picture of yourself. Uh, So, homework if you want to send it in. We've only ever had winter athletes do this before, Ali. So, you know, it's kind of. Okay. I'll I'll draw. I'll draw. It's trending. All right. And and, and we'll say Andy's drawing here. Quite a good drawing. So, uh, there you go. Um, Your favorite music artists are. Oh, okay. So. I'm from Alberta, so I'm going to have to say a country artist, which is Luke Combs. Yep. And then Matt Mason, which is a completely different genre of music. And, oh God, who else do I like? I listen to a lot of different types of music, so it's kind of hard to say who my favorite artists are because it's all so different. Um, and then I think Alt-J. I don't know if you know who they are. but I've heard, I've heard of Alt-J. Probably heard- you probably would know the songs if you heard them. Yeah, yeah, so. I, I've I've heard of them. I the the one thing that just weirdly came to mind again. We're back on the Eddie the Eagle movie bandwagon, but the um the song they use in the credits, I think it's called Ascension, and it's it's sung by the guy who was yeah. the lead singer of Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Um, love that I know song. Song you're talking about. Me too. I yeah. I love that song too. That is a great. It's song. a it's a it's a good feel good song. Yeah, yeah, which is. It 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 yeah. I'm just I'm, I'm thinking of that song right now. I'm singing in my head. Uh, if you could eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, I know the answer to this one already. Uh, it's gonna be pho. So oh, okay. Soup. Yeah, it's my favorite. Uh, nice. And is that something that you sort of grow up on, or do you just go out one time and discover it and go, oh, I really no, like this? Um, I went to Vietnam as a little kid as a family trip, and I don't remember if I tried it there, but that's where I learned what it was I do know that so I assume I had it and my mom would like occasionally make it like during the winter when it was cold and so I've kind of picked up cooking and I really love cooking and so that was one of the first things I made when it turned the season turned in Slovenia it's like okay girls I'm making soup who wants some (laughs) (laughs) basically what happened my uh, roommates love that I am a cook like I, I, I can cook. imagine that's a pretty good, yeah, roommate. Oh, by the way, I'm the cook. Yeah. Okay. Or it's like I make, I call it athlete-friendly baking. So it's like <laughs> sugar-free, low carbs. Like um, I make zucchini brownies, banana nice. bread, that sort of thing. So my teammates love that. <laughs> well, as somebody who's keto, those are good recipes that you feel free to share if you need to because they're the ones that I have. A, kinda... I have a good app for it. I can I'll let you know about that. Great. I like that. All this homework that we're giving you here today, it's, it's, uh, it's good. Your favourite place to compete is? Oh, um, well, I'm trying to think. I had a really good time in Klingenthal, uh, Germany, but there's a hill I would really like to compete on, and it's Garmisch-Partenkirchen. Mm-hmm. So I actually lived in Garmisch. Uh, I've like done local competitions on that hill, but I would like to compete on the large hill in a World Cup. So there's no women's event this season on the Garmisch Big Hill, unfortunately. So I won't get to do that this season. It will happen eventually, but I consider that my home hill. So I really just want to have a World Cup on it. And I think it would just be spectacular. You know, I've got lots of friends there and lots of what I consider to be family there, even if they're not blood related. 
I, I don't know if you know the answer to this one just off the top of your head. I know when we, we talk to, say, bobsledders, you know, luge riders, skeleton races, it, like there's, what, 18 tracks in the world or something like that. Do, do you know how many actual, like, proper ski jumps there are? There's the quite world? a few. There's actually okay. a – I have to Google that one. I don't actually know. There's, like – I think there's 100 and something. Wow, there's that actually many. a lot. Interesting. Okay. But I lot don't think all of those are FIST certified. So right. that cuts down the number a lot. There's And, you know – the hill has to be um, like the venue has to be able to pay and fund it. So, you know, they have to have sponsors or, you know, out of the club's money and, you know, they have to be able to host all these athletes and they need to be able to have the facilities like, and they need to be up to fist standards. So that was one of the other issues with the Calgary Hills was that it wasn't up to fist standards. So, right. Right. So I've learned yeah, one you, lose one a bunch of fun, you, you lose a bunch of funding when they're no longer up to fist standards. So how so how many in the state? So I'm guessing what Salt Lake, Lake Placid, maybe is there more uh, than... There's Iron Mountain, Lake Placid, Norgi, uh, Steamboat Springs. So there's a few uh, essentially, Salt Lake. but a lot more. I think there's five or six. Interesting. Wow. There's one in Minneapolis. Really? Okay. Yeah. There you go. Interesting. Wow. None in Hawaii, I can assure you. Probably. I know. I I think we should make a summer jump there. Australia, again, just saying. Just exactly. Weekend. You guys could have a summer jump. I don't know what you yeah. guys are doing. You're we've got, the, we've got the great new sort of summer facility up in Brisbane for the, the freestyle skiers. So, like, just build a little bit yeah, more and make just... it a Nordic one as well and kind yeah, of exactly. you know, do, it, exactly. do it that way. What is one thing that you have always wanted to do? Um... There is a library in central Austria. I know this is going to sound crazy from an adrenaline junkie, but <laughs> I, I'm going to say two things here. So one is I want to go to this library. It's called Admont Abbey. It is one of the most beautiful libraries in the world, like giant bookshelves, like gold trim on these bookshelves. Like the walls are all white and the bookshelves are all white and they're like, like hundreds and hundreds of year old books and there's thousands of books in this library. And, wow. you know, I just, I love architecture, architecture and I love to read. So it's kind of a good combination. And then my next one would be skydiving. Okay. Well, there but, it is. <laughs> uh, but not just out of a normal airplane, but it's got to be something interesting. Like, you know, like a hot air balloon. <laughs> Maybe hotter, but yeah, that works. Or was that know, guy? The, a there was a Baumgartner jump from the stratosphere from the hot air balloon, right? Like it did yeah. the highest. You do that into the Maybe library. After- <laughs> maybe after ski jumping i'll do that there you go i like that wow combine everything you know make it all kind of uh <laughs> all fluid. In one. what is your favorite thing to do in the summer ski jump Ski jump. <laughs> know, yep. it's, yeah it's kind of hard to answer when i can do my sport all year round so it, i don't know it's hard to ski jumping is always going to be my favorite thing regardless of the time of year that works um, other than other than that, I would say I uh, really enjoy to bake. I mean, that's something I do in the season two, but, you know. It kind of, works both ways, baking and jumping. Exactly. Kind of, that, there's you know, the name I can do of it all year round. Yeah. <laughs> baking uh, and jumping. Yeah. You know, five-time Olympic champion uh, by the time you retire, <laughs> of course, in 2040. So, <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, it, it, it works that way. What is your favorite movie? My favorite movie? Um can I pick more than one? You may, of course, pick more than one. Yes. Star Wars. <laughs> Just all of them. 
except for the last Jedi. No. <laughs> um, um. <laughs> including like the even like Rogue One and Solo, I enjoy too. I mean, they're not my favorite Star Wars movies, but I do love Star Wars. Here's, here's a question for you, just on franchises, and and this ties into Bugger Eddie the Eagle. We've talked about that enough. I always then like to talk about movies based on sports where maybe there haven't been one. And usually I connect it to James Bond because James Bond has done a lot of sports. He ski jumped in For Your Eyes Only. Yes. So uh, I'm guessing you would rather watch James Bond ski jump than yes, Eddie the Eagle, I would. right? Yeah. I would much rather that. Um, Which is always – do you do you like the Bond films? I mean, have you seen For Your Eyes Only I just do. to see him ski jump? Um, I've watched them all, but, like, I – I don't remember the majority of them. I have really bad time remembering movies. I inherited that from my mom, but <laughs> my family is a big Bond fan. So right. uh, I think the other or the last night or the night before, my mom and stepdad actually had gone and watched the new James Bond movie. Well, I'll say don't spoil and it like, for me because at the time of recording I this, I, I haven't, haven't seen, seen it yet. yet. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet either. Um, and like last Halloween, um, our like – family friends like our like neighborhood friend group i'd say and so it's like my best friend um my mom's best friend my stepdad's best friend like one of my brother's best friends uh we all dressed up as james bond characters wow for Halloween. nice yeah. so who did you go as yeah. well i actually wasn't there i was in europe right okay so. who would have you gone as who do you think you would have if you could have God, I don't know. That's a hard decision. I, I can't. I can't, can't decide that one. It, it, James Bond is a ski jumper. I know. Yeah, I would do that. I would just wear my jumping gear and a little tie or something. Yeah, a little tuxedo over my point. shoulder there. Die another day. If you want to watch that one, you'll uh, you know make some of us happy on this show. Uh, just. Uh, <laughs> Colin will be laughing right now at that. Uh, the next drawing one here says, they've actually changed this. Usually it's draw a picture of a Canadian animal. They've just written here, draw a picture of your favourite animal. And Andy's drawn a lovely picture of a cat here, which looks like a cross between a cat and a cow, if I'm being honest, but it's still a good picture. So yeah. <laughs> don't know if you have a favourite um, animal to draw, but. I really love dogs. Okay. I, I have two dogs at home and... I always, one of the first things I miss when I leave is my family. And then I'm like, okay, I'm ready to see the dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Add it to the homework. There you go. Your favorite place to visit in Canada is? Oh, this is a good one. So I kind of have a few places. So um, my mountain place would be uh, Kimberly, BC. Mm -hmm. And then it's, tied with Georgian Bay, which is on the other side of Canada, which is in the Great Lakes. So it's in Ontario and uh, they're both pretty spectacular places, but completely different. Like, you know, if you didn't know any better, you would not guess they're in the same country. (laughs) So it's good to have that sort of diversity and keep the East and the West Coasters happy on on both sides there. Your favorite cartoon to watch growing up was? Oh, um, I loved, loved, loved Phineas and Ferb. Mm, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know that one. I, I know. Um, a bit, I'm a bit old for that, but I do know what you, yeah, I, I'm it, aware of it. Like the, there are two little boys who would always build stuff and, you know, we're always told, oh, you're too young for that. Aren't you too young to do this? And I always liked it. That's, that's as long as you like it, that's the main thing. Uh, if you had exactly. to do, I love how this says, if you had to do karaoke, like someone's forcing you, I'm going to change this. Oh, what no, is it would be your, forced. 
Well, we've all oh, got no, that before. one song. Come on, Ali. Like, if, if there is one karaoke song, what what are you going to? Oh, that's a hard one. I I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm not a big singer. I <laughs> not so great. I'm a little pitchy. I'm not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of a karaoke episode. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, (laughs) This is like my worst nightmare. You won't be listening Um, to that one. (laughs) Well, if it's me singing, it's my worst nightmare. Other people are fine. It's just I can't sing. Uh, Oh, God, I really don't know. I love Andy's Um, answer. She's gone very Canadian and said, Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. So, you know. Well, that is a good Canadian one. I was going to say, like, Red Solo Cup. Oh, yep, yep. Okay. That works. I like it. I'm a bit of a, I believe in a thing called Love by the Darkness because you can go very high Oh, yes, yes. You know, (laughs) Mr. Brightside by the Killers. That's a good one too. That's That's uh, on my hype up playlist. That's a good one to have. Really good. The the final one here, and actually it hasn't got the question of uh, your first Olympics you remember watching, but I guess you are you answered Vancouver, right? So kind of. Uh, yeah, I think that was before we were recording, but. Uh, yeah, which yes. I the first Olympics I remember watching was Vancouver, and I come upstairs from my basement, and my mom and dad were like uh, sitting in the living room watching TV, and I was like, "Oh, what are you guys watching?" And they basically like we we're watching moguls and they explained to me and like we're watching all the different types of skiing and skating and you know all that different stuff and ever since then I was like I want to do that like I I just (laughs) want to be there like that is so amazing it's like I just had my heart set from the moment I knew what they were that I was gonna go true yeah yeah that's that's crazy the the last question if you could be an Olympian in any other sport besides your own what would it be hmm that's a difficult one because I did try a lot of sports before like I was a ski jumper like I mean I continued to do other sports after but you know as I became more competitive I kind of dropped them off like I did uh hop keto which was a like it's similar to judo and jujitsu uh so it's like a martial arts so maybe something there because I was I was good at it because I was just fearless and I'd like get kicked in the face and have a bloody nose and you know I'd come back two minutes later covered in blood and my nose would stop bleeding and be like okay I'm ready to go again (laughs) bring it on wow yeah like we have a family friend who like he says that that's one of his like funniest memories of me is that it's like I got kicked in the nose and like my like both nostrils blood down my face and I like my mom takes me like washes off my face and gets my nose to stop bleeding and like my like gi is covered in blood and I like am like immediately ready to get back out there and start fighting again. <laughs> wow. So, Jeez. Yeah. This I love, I love these these concussions maybe make a little bit more sense now. But um they also <laughs> Well, I I my first concussion was actually like leading up to youth Olympic games and like when I hit my head on the table and so <laughs> I've only had two concussions. And they were That's a good sign that you remember them, though, Ali. Like, if you started forgetting how well, many you had, there's a problem. There. Okay, I know how many I've had. I just don't really remember them. But, um, like, my second, they happened within a year of each other, which is probably not great. But uh, mm. I, like, the second one, I hit a wall in the Czech Republic, and I got up, and, like, I, I don't really remember this. This is just what, like, my teammates have told me. But I was, like, laughing like I had, like, 
like serial killer laugh is how it was described to me and i'm like bawling my eyes out like my makeup is like running down my face like a mascara so i have like black streaks down my face and then i'm like talking to my coach and i'm like bawling my eyes out on the radio and laughing and like just like crying and laughing and crying and laughing and then he's like okay so you're done and i go i just stop i i'm like straight face all of a sudden wipe like the like smudges of black makeup all over my face which like you know streaks of mascara all over my face and I'm like, no, I'm good. And I go up and I did like five more jumps with the concussion. I don't remember any of those jumps. Like I could not tell you anything that happened during those jumps. It feels like a fever dream. And then, so my coach took me home and I was like lying on the couch, like just like staring at the ceiling. Apparently I, I don't remember any of this. And I like had like like all of a sudden like blood just slowly started dripping out of my nose my teammates sitting next to me on the couch and she's like oh my god like we need to call like our coach like we need to get you to the hospital and she's like freaking out and I'm just like sitting there and I'm like at least I have someone to care for me like at least she's there like it's not like she's letting me die on the couch and so I ended up having to have like pictures taken of my head and whatnot it turns out I just had like a broken nose but like wow. <laughs> it's like everyone was Jeez. like all up in arms and I was just like I like sent my parents a text it was like the middle of the night for them I'm like going to hospital in check <laughs> and so my parents got to wake up to that really lovely text it's like 50 missed calls like, <laughs> no I didn't call them or anything I just like sent a text like the group chat with like all four parents in it. it's like I have like stepmom stepdad dad and mom and so I just like sent a text that was like going to hospital in check might concussed or it was like something might. that didn't really make it was like might have concussion or like might concussed but because it didn't really make sense but you got what I was trying to say and so it's like geez like gee wow far out yeah That's, um I would have loved if during those five jumps that you unlock some technique and set like five world records and you just couldn't remember how you did it. And you're like, oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been that would have been rather unfortunate, but yeah. I don't think Start I jumped that more. great. <laughs> well, I would encourage that with me, you know. But <laughs> Which actually, I, can uh, I say, that make, not only does it make sense why you go for the lease, it makes sense why you listen to our show. There you go. You've got <laughs> concussion. There it is. You can leave that as a review, you know, not a scam. It's okay scam. and great to listen to with Mine a concussion. Concuss. Yeah. <laughs> Understandable with concussion. Off the podium. Big fan. So you're unlocking so many secrets. Ali, before we let you go, for people who wish to stay up to date with your journey, the Olympics, everything else along those lines, social media, can people check you out? Can people follow you anywhere? Yeah, uh, I have an Instagram. It's Ali underscore Lidit and Ali is spelt like ale, uh, like the drink. Uh, so typically that's the way I explain it to people. So ale underscore Lidit. And that works. That's simple. And you, uh, uh, in, in Googling as well, I don't yeah. use TikTok, but you have TikTok. I, I do have TikTok. I have a couple of videos that have had a couple thousand views and one with like 3 million views, I think. Wow. So, Okay. Yeah. Maybe we need to get on TikTok. I feel people are, are, are like, into this. I think you know? I'm close to like 9,000 followers, 8,000, 9,000. Not bad. Keep going in well. the, the Olympics <laughs> and I can see some fun TikToks with concussion yeah. and everything. <laughs> Not at the Olympics. <laughs> Don't get it during the Olympics, please. Yeah. <laughs> that would I'll try my best. 
Yeah, try your best. That's good. Ali, seriously, it's been so much fun to be able to, to chat, to to learn about ski jumping, just everything else. It's such a fascinating sport and we are seriously looking forward to, to seeing you at the Olympics, commentating on the Olympics, looking for chicken wire and everything else in between. But uh, oh, we, yes. we really appreciate your uh, time and off the podium today. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoy your show, so it's awesome being on it. Thanks to Ali there for her time. Very informative, a lot of fun. And as always too, the video of that is available on our YouTube channel. So if you want to search for Off the Podium on YouTube, you can see that in video form as well. So a lot of fun uh, to to chat there with Ali. And I will say we've got a few more ski jumpers to come. We've uh, sort of opened up the gates here basically in the lead up to Beijing that uh, the majority of our uh, episodes in the lead up between now and Beijing will actually, funnily enough, be with ski jumpers and Nordic Combined Athletes. So uh, very excited to chat to more ski jumpers moving forward, some of Ali's teammates. So uh, very exciting times coming up here on Off the Podium. If you want to stay up to date with everything that we have going of course social media search off the podium facebook twitter instagram we're there not on tiktok yet maybe we'll need to change that at some point and of course subscribe to us on the podcast platform of your preference whatever that may be search off the podium and while you're there leave us some feedback take ali's advice and go not a scam pretty good not that good or better to listen to with a concussion so some tips there for some of your potential reviews so we'd appreciate the feedback and love to hear what you're thinking of the show so much to come episodes every single day between now beijing and then daily episodes during beijing we're busy little beavers here at off the podium and you are going to love every single second of it we love you tuning in and we appreciate the support and we definitely thank you for uh listening and uh, coming on board with us along this journey as we talk about the Olympics because we love it and we love chatting to people like Ali as well. Big thanks again to Ali. Special shout out as always to Jason Momoa. My name is Ben. This is Off the Podium and as always, go left. What an episode. You loved every single second of it. It's been, again, just quickly reminding you once again, if you want to help us win a Sports Podcast Award, sportspodcastawards.com, register to vote, click on Best Olympic and Paralympic Podcast section, listen to the other nominees, and then go, hey, Off the Podium's awesome. They're so good. They put in so much work and so much effort, and we just love them, and they deserve to go on the podium for once. Ben's awesome. Jared's awesome. Colin's okay, but he's also kind of awesome. We'd really appreciate it. And particularly if you've actually listened to the rest of this and ended up here, because generally I assume you've well and truly tuned out by now. But seriously, if you're at this point of the podcast, then you're a true listener. And that means that you're a true fan and you should vote for us. Sportspodcastawards.com. Do it now. We will thank you forever. Literally ever. Like every episode moving forward, we will thank you forever. Sportspodcastawards.com. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll speak to you next time on Off the Podium. I'm I'm really going to go now. Bye.